and I looked and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? single one of us has our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, but, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas, like what is biblical love? You know, what is, what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love, like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 388. I have more notes than last week, but I still don't have a lot. My name is Caleb Hegg. <laughs> and here we are approaching the final days of Sefirat Omer, counting the Omer. I'm Rob Banoff. What's up, man? So just a quick I didn't, note. I didn't do my normal sip of water. The signature Rob Vanoff sip of water. So I'm testing a new camera. Uh, there is a significantly good chance that this camera is just going to overheat in the middle of this broadcast and all of a sudden no one's going to be able to see me. But if that happens, I do have a backup camera around just in case. Caleb, so, we, you know, though, that we love you for your voice, first and foremost. Oh, thank you. We don't judge uh, by appearance. Paul Archer in the says, ch- I, as I hear, I judge. Paul Archer in the chat room says 7.77 subs. It's a sign. That's right. It's a sign. This will be the best show ever. Subs. What is that? What's subs? Subscribers, man. Oh, seven, nice. We, we seven, have seven, seven, okay, we have to freeze it. <laughs> 7,770 can, fr- can we freeze that? 
Like uh, no, no more. We cannot, sorry, no, we we do not want to freeze that. Trust me. More subscribe, please subscribe, please make it eight thousand. That would really help us out. Actually, let's bring it up here. Uh, subscribe now. Click that. Smash that. I I was. I somebody actually emailed me. It was like you got to start saying smash the subscribe button. Smash that subscribe button. Smash it. Do it for us. Okay. All right. Uh, is there okay? Question. Question. This yes. I have no idea, Caleb. You will know. Yeah. What's the ratio of people? using their, their smartphones for Messiah Matters or versus their computers? Yeah, no, like I, haven't looked at, I haven't looked at those stats. I can look after the show, but yeah, that's not something I have readily available. No, is that something that, that you there's a metric for? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, cool. Because I, I saw an article where it, it was a while back, but it was just saying that like the vast majority of people using the internet now, it's really smartphone. Yeah, 50, the, 56%, I think, is is on phone as opposed to anything. And if so, I was just thinking smash. There are they is it an action like Boom. smashing smash the it. button on their touchscreen there? Smash it. Whereas for me, I I'm a computer guy. I'm like, oh, click your mouse. <laughs> which is which is so yeah, low smash voltage. That. Yeah. Oh my word, you're so nine you're too, so two thousand five, Rob. <laughs> two thousand five called they want their technology back. <laughs> It's All a right, wireless mouse. There you, oh, there you go. Okay, let's uh, let's do this. 253-465-3205. That phone number actually works right now, I believe. So you can call it. Last week, not so much. Um, but this week, yes. Uh, also, CHEGG at TorahResource.com. That always works. C-H-E-G-G at TorahResource.com. Go ahead and shoot me an email. We'll talk about it, possibly. And uh, don't forget that this show is produced by Torah Resource. Torah Resource is a place where you can find all sorts of great materials from Rob Van Hoff and Tim Hag and uh, just a lot of good articles, a lot of good videos, a lot of good audio. It's, uh, you can, I don't what know. What makes how it good, people, Caleb? Theologically there's a whole, sound, there's a biblically whole, based. There's a whole internet out there. Biblically based. Uh, I don't know if people know this or not. Go to TorahResource.com, hover over the store, and go down to other materials. And in there, you can buy a one-year library subscription for 100 bucks. I know it sounds like a lot, right? $100, but it's a whole year. And you have access to the entire digital catalog of Torah Resource. You can download, you can listen, watch, whatever you want. You can read online. It doesn't matter. You should do it. It's, it's by far the best uh, product that we have because it's all of the products. Anyway... All right, you can also go to messiahmatters.com. That's going to change soon. That'll redirect at some point back to Torah Resource where we will archive all of our stuff. But for now, go listen to past episodes. Okay, I see the dad joke of the happy sign of the covenant made to Noah month <laughs> throughout the chat room. Uh, however, I think it is important for us to note that uh, the world has made this uh, pride month uh, pride in something that uh, God has already uh, essentially ruled on and and punished for, right? Um, I think. Oh, that, I, oh, you mean June is Pride Month? That's right. Starts oh. the day. You'll be able to tell from all of your all of your uh, your your apps switching their their uh, icons to rainbows, and all of the libs on uh, on uh, Facebook and Twitter turning their their pictures to some kind of a, a rainbow a rainbow overlay. Now, here's the thing is that I think as believers, we should not necessarily stay silent about this. I think that we should actually be uh, vocal 
about uh, our stance on homosexuality and how it is a sin and how we are offended by uh, the world attempting to make an entire month dedicated to uh, something that God says is abhorrent. With that said, and redirecting that, a, a biblical sign, obviously, right. too, yeah, for that purpose. But but uh, the, but here's the thing: is that I I was thinking about this today. I actually think that this is a really a a uh, an attack on biblical, uh, well, biblical roles. I saw this podcast the other day. It was a it was a YouTube video actually, but it was really good, and I'm sure somebody else will, will know what I'm talking about and post a link in the chat room. It was, uh, and at first I was like, ooh, because they were they they. Uh, it was five things that threaten the the modern church. Five things that are are threatening the biblical church today, and one of those things was uh, complementarianism. And I and this got me thinking about uh, about the month, the Pride Month, and and really I think it's an attack on on biblical masculinity, uh, biblical femininity, and the place of uh, male and female roles within God's order. Um, and, but so I watched this video thinking, okay, here we go. Let's see what the, you know, these people have to be progressives or something like that. No, 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 not at all. In fact, they are saying the church has given up ground, uh, by accepting, uh, complementarianism because that actually is a, a, a want to pull away from uh, patriarchy and I actually think they're right I think that the biblical model model is patriarchy now that's become like a bad word in our modern society but I think that if we read the texts correctly about what a man should be and what and how a man should treat his family and his wife uh, you know a, a man is commanded to love his wife as Christ loved the church. That means that wants and needs should go before personal wants and needs. And so if we think of that in terms of biblical masculinity and how patriarchy should work, uh, then I think instead of what the world thinks of patriarchy, which is men trying to bludgeon the family with a club, basically, right? Um, so... I, I think all of that, all of this whole Pride Month stuff has has made me think of the role of men and women within God's uh, within God's law and, and His ecclesia, His church, and uh, the way that uh, the way that we as believers are supposed to uphold God's order. And I think that patriarchy is the way to go. Am I totally off, Rob? What do you think? You know, this it's. I don't think you're totally off. Maybe just a little. But in other areas, no. <laughs> fair, fair. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back to like First Corinthians 11, you know, the head of every man is Messiah, you know, and, 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 and there's a, there is a structure, there is a um, purpose and design. And of course, we live in a fallen world that, like you just pointed out, you've got men who, who are maybe overly masculine. What I mean by that is that their, their, their mass sense of masculinity comes from pride in the flesh, not from being a servant of Messiah, but yet we'll thump a Bible to defend their authority. But usually in my experience, that stems out of deep insecurity for whatever reason, bad relationship with their own father, you know, stuff like that, like work that they need to do on themselves. Um, but on the other hand, you know, um, we have 
you know, been how many decades post, you know, if, with different kinds of feminist movement generally right. growing um, to be, you know, taking the biblical roles like you're talking about, and then waving all these additional, like alluring pictures for women to become that are not based on uh, a walk with the Lord, you know? Right. And so our, so for both genders, it's a, it's a mess of confusing signals um, out there to where this day and age, you know, they can't even define what a woman is on in one day. And then the right. next day they're trying to fight for women's right to choose. And it's like, wait, if you can't define a woman, it, it it's just nonsensical. So I think it's good for people to go back to the Bible, um, but don't go too zealously to the Bible with your agenda. <laughs> we, because the God's word shapes is to shape us. We, we don't, try to smash and bend God's word to fit our agenda. So anyway, I don't know how much I'm still even on topic. I'm being told that we have a white noise and I want to fix it, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to currently. So I will, uh, I will do some tests. That's, that's from uh, institutional ra racism. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm, I'll, Continue to try to fix it, but I don't know if that's actually going to help or not. Bummer. I'm not. I'm turning. I'm not hearing anything. So, well, they're saying I got a white noise. Um, it's just a hissing sound that has been in the audio of the past few episodes. Not sure if it was when you changed computers, etc. Okay. Well, um, it might be a cord. Actually, uh, I just turned on. Something yeah, Caleb updated everything with the best, but he's still using this one particular cable that's from the 90s. That's actually true. <laughs> that's actually true. Okay. <laughs> An old XLR that is. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's let's move to uh, things that we actually have planned to talk about. And what do we got here? Oh, uh, can't hear Caleb. Great. Okay. Well. Like at all? I don't know. I don't know. What's Bummer. Going on, man, we're all over the place. I don't hear anything. Okay. Can I, can people hear me or nothing? Yeah, I think I just I think I just fixed it. I think I just fixed it. Okay. Let's uh let's move on. Let's see what we can do here. Okay. Um da, 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 da. sorry guys. Give me a second. I'm just trying to, uh, let's see here. Okay, so this is what we got. Uh, pale blue dot. I can understand, this is what they said. They said this on a, uh, a video that we did on, actually, I don't remember what the video was. It, this was off topic, uh, the comment was. But this is, a good this is a good comment and one that I think that we need to address. Pale blue dot says, I can understand that salvation is through God. But why does he have to kill his own son to forgive us? Since he is almighty, he should be able to forgive us without any bloodshed. I'm not a Christian. Just stumbled upon this video. You want to mm. go first? Yeah, that's that. Those, those kind of statements hurt. I, I, and it reminds me of the ones where people say, oh, you believe in divine child abuse, like kind of thing, like God killed his son. Um, 
boy. I, I would say that, that that's if someone is reading the Bible and that is the lens, that's their framework. Like their, their conviction is, yeah, this is a story of God killing his son. And boy, if I were to invent a God, it would be, it would be different than this or something. It's, it's such a, a sad starting point. Um, and it sounds like someone who hasn't actually, their thoughts haven't been shaped by actually reading and spending time with, with the word of God. Do you actually think that God is the one who killed it, that God killed it? I mean, certainly the wrath of the Lord was, was poured out on the son in death or in separation. If that's, uh, if we can say that a, a separation of some kind. However, um, with that said, I, I, I don't feel like, I don't, I mean, the Romans are the ones who killed Christ. The father didn't kill Christ. Um, and so I, I think that that's a little bit of a, a misnomer there. Uh, with that said, the, the biggest thing that we need to say is that the Lord laid down his life willingly. That's the, that's the thing that I think is missed. He laid down his life willingly for us. Um, and he did that so that he could bring the us purpose of redemption because there was exactly. a, there was a, um, an un, uncrossable abyss. Right. Right. I mean, a, a, an uncrossable abyss, except there was one, one option, right? I, I'm, I'm reminded of Romans eight and this is NASB. Therefore there is now no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin of death. So the basic sentence there is the law has freed you from the law. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, it's talking about the weakness of human flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as a sin offering, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to to the spirit. So, and you can go on and, and read, it's this beautiful passage. And of course I'm taken out of context because it's tied to what came before in chapter seven, but what we have to, we have to understand that the, the excruciating death that Yeshua experienced, which was not by bleeding out from nails in his hands, right? It's suffocation, slow right. suff suffocation which was a deliberate design to be excruciating by, uh, by the inventors. <clears throat> what did this accomplish? This accomplished the condemnation of sin in the flesh because humans could receive God's law, but it, it, all it would do would, would be a curse because there was because it exposed what was true. The law of God is like a light or like a mirror. It just, right. it just exposes what is true. It doesn't fix the problem. The law cannot make a sinner righteous. The law just comes and can expose whether someone is righteous or whether someone is a sinner. Right. And it doesn't work repentance. Where does repentance come from? Repentance comes from a new heart, a new spirit that comes from God. Repentance itself is a miracle. 
It's, it's not something that originates with human will. If it's genuine repentance, there could be, you know, clubs can, clubhouses and things like that can uh, hijack all that. But the point is God acted. What we have to understand when we see, uh, when we read the story of Yeshua and we imagine him hanging on the cross <clears throat> is that this is contextualized by the full uh, witness of scripture, first of all, and that from Genesis one on, we are made in God's image. God had a plan from before the beginning of time to build up the ecclesia, to build up his people and that he would be their God and we would be his people. And sin is the, the big uh, interrupter um, that we see in human history, leaving all its brutal and disastrous effects, which are righted. It, it, uh, all is not lost, right? All, all was not lost. And so we have to see in Yeshua on the cross, the condemnation of sin in the flesh that enabled Yeshua to reconcile his people and, and handle their sin problem to handle something they could not in and of themselves handle. Right. And that if went unhandled, he would have lived forever. And the elect, now this is just hypothetically, because there was never an option where Yeshua was going to abide forever in the flesh alone. Right. But, but I mean, it's good to contrast that uh, just to realize, you know, that, that that's what he accomplished. He, he took our sin upon him and died. He did not die for his own sin. He died for our sin. So the sin that, so what died on the cross, yes, Yeshua in the flesh died, but he did not die in and of himself for, for he did nothing wrong. So, I mean, this is the Romans six, you know, there's Galatians. There's a lot of better places in the scripture than me trying to describe it. You know, that actually the, the chat room has, has gone to multiple places here. Uh, John ten eighteen. no one takes it from me, but I lay down, I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down talking of his life, of course, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. Um, he laid so, down his but, own but, life. But what do you his... think about the other part of the question? It's like, well, why couldn't God just say, oh, I just forgive you. Like he's big enough. Isn't he big enough just to forgive us? Yes. God set up the world. He set up the, his, and ultimately the entire world hangs on his covenants and his covenants uh, are, are set up from the foundations of the world that uh, restitution has to be made. So there is such thing as justice. There is such thing as justice. And this is the world that we live in is that there is such thing as justice. And we see this throughout the world. And, and uh, we see this in, in many different facets of our own lives and, and the judicial systems around the world. Uh, but there is a need for restitution, whether it be for for stealing or for taking something. Right. That even is in not- the, even in the unbelieving world, there's a there's a sense of when someone is wronged, there's like a, a physiological cry out for. We think for- of I th- I think a lot of the time people think of this in terms of of theft. Right. 
somebody steals something. But that, but think, th- I think that we need to understand this in a much more egregious sense. When something is taken from a woman, when a woman is raped, restitution has to be made, right? Now, we might or might not see restitution in this world, but there will be restitution for such a crime, right? And so, so the point is, is something so egregious and something so personable and something so, uh, you know, intimate that but, should, Yeah, and victimizing. Should, like, victimizing yeah. And, and, yeah, and scarring that should never happen, right? Um, it, this is like the offense. It, this is a, I mean, I never want to downplay such a thing as rape, but when we compare it to the whole, the, to the holiness of God being transgressed, in other words, someone transgressing and coming against the holiness of God, it is, uh, it, it, it pales in comparison. And so the, the fact is, is that, uh, there has to be justice there. There has to be restitution for it. And this is the way that God set up the entire, I mean, the pillars of the world stand on his covenants. And this is one of the things that a lot that unbelievers just simply don't understand. Um, they, they, you know, there's, there's this, uh, there's this belief that there's no need for justice or that there's even no morality or that the world works on no morality you know, that, that it's, you know, morality is something that society has created. This is not the case. The fact is, is that we stand on the covenants of God, which uh, uphold justice. And so for that reason, uh, we have to have, God has to have justice for, and here's the thing, once again, I mean, back to the, the same old saying, salvation is totally free. He has offered it to Anyone in the world, salvation is free. You can you can gain salvation at any point in time, but it'll cost you your whole life. And a lot of people don't want to give their entire life uh, to God, and so that's their that is a that is a a choice, that is a personal uh, choice. And I know I, I can hear the chat room already typing um, on how this plays into Calvinism and whatnot. But the the point is is that we have the choice to to accept or deny the the free gift of God. And when we uh, when when people reject that, then there are consequences. The the payment for our sin, the atonement for our sin has been offered. Uh, it's it's whether or not we are willing to accept that or not. Um, and so yeah, I, I think that that's the I mean, is there anything else that we need to add? Um, no, not that I can, I'm just thinking back to the sentence of the, the, the idea that God could forgive some other way. Um, and you know, that's even dre- addressed in the garden of Gethsemane. I mean, Yeshua says, if it be at all possible, yeah, take this cup for me, you know, and, and, uh, obviously there was, there, this was it, which simultaneously, was an affirmation of Yeshua being who he was. If if the father said, oh, actually, there is another plan, then Yeshua would not be the incarnate son redeemer, right? It, it, the, the, the fact of Yeshua saying that, um, you know, comments like no one comes to the father but by me must be understood in pair with Yeshua, you know, 
is it possible to take this cup for me? It is an affirmation. No, it's not. Why? Because you are the way you are the truth. You are the life. You are the right. resurrection. Yep. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to move to, this is going to be a fun one. Okay. JJ <laughs> Kairos. I oh, nice. Down. Like, how does he spell it? K-A-I-R-O-S. Oh, that Kairos is like a word for time in in uh, Greek. So this is on, okay, this was on a video that I clipped last week from our show. In that video, uh, I actually, I titled the short clip, Why Pronomianism is Growing So Fast, or something to to that effect. For those who don't know what pronomianism is, it's simply just uh, a... A, a way of saying pro-law in Greek. It's an antidote to antinomianism. Yes, exactly. Thank you to our friend, Jeff Young. Uh, JJ writes and he says, if qualifications is something you're striving for, who is the qualifier? Well, the answer obviously to that question is God. That seems to beg for a new institution. I've, many, I've made many mistakes on my walk and even into Torah understanding. Someone had to strike out on this journey first. Pot stirrers tend to provoke strong memories, but I don't see that as, a, as significant in terms of the body as a whole. It's just like the news, bad news sells. A lot of people are doing a lot of good, more so than bad in my humble opinion. Okay, I'm not exactly sure what this is pointed at, uh, or exactly what JJ is responding to. Um, I'm not sure if he's calling us pot stirrers, us, me and Rob, pot stirrers, which he may be, or if he is talking about s- some other point of view. I'm not sure. However, I think that this is a good opportunity and a good time to uh, address maybe the notion that we are pot stirrers. And, and, you know, I, I called my father the other day and asked him if he would, if we could do an interview. And, and the reason why is because, uh, this is actually Rob's idea. I want to do an interview with my dad because um, I think that his, his views in some areas of theology have changed over the past 20 to 30 years. I think that's obvious from his writings. But I'm not sure if everyone uh, understands where those theological uh, understandings have have changed. And so because of that, I think it would really be beneficial to uh, fans of my father's writings to hear him walk down uh, kind of the progression of his own theological journey. Um, but the same thing has happened for me, and I believe also for Rob, which is that we have come to some different understandings than what we had 10 years ago. And I think anyone who's followed this show for the past nine years can clearly see and understand that. Uh, All you have to do is watch a video from six years ago and uh, just look at me and the way that I presented myself six years ago as as opposed to today. Um, With that said, are we pot stirrers? Or are we pot stickers? Well, okay, that's a that's a good dad joke, but I'm going to leave it alone. So, <laughs> so I I was talking to Rob about this the other day, and I see this as a little bit of I'm not trying to to stir the pot. In fact, if anything, I think that I'm actually pulling away from that. 
And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I see the Hebrew roots movement and the messianic movement. It's like it's like they've come into a theological understanding, but they've come in, and, and I include myself in this, by the way. I, I completely include myself in the idea of like the the messianic Judaism that takes that really takes shape in the 80s and 90s, right? And for those who are unaware of, of the rise of Messianic Judaism, it started back in the early 1900s, but it really didn't take, it didn't really gain any, any traction until about the 80s or 90s. And at the exact same time, the Hebrew Roots Movement is really coming into uh, existence uh, from multiple different groups. And so at the, at the same time, you have these, these two groups, and this is one of the reasons that a lot of people just meld Hebrew Roots and Messianic together. They just think they're the same thing. Uh, I would argue that they're not. I would argue that they're actually, uh, there, there is differences there. <clears throat> That's neither here nor there. So I come up in the, I'm raised essentially in the Messianic Jewish movement from a very young age. When this starts to take ground, I liken this to, and here we go with our analogies again. I liken this a little bit to the Antique Roadshow. The Hebrew Roots Movement is like a person who is rooting around in their attic and finds a bowl. And the bowl is beautiful. It belonged to great-grandma or whatever. And, the, and it's dusty and old and, and uh, ornate, but uh, it really needs to be cleaned up. So the person comes down out of their attic. They take they, this They know thing. it. In other words, what you're saying, they, they have a general gut sense this is valuable this yeah, is they, worth they, something right they, they but take they don't it, they, have but it's just a cursory uninformed sense right and so the hebrew roots movement then takes their bull and the first thing that they do is they put it in a bunch of bleach and they start to try to clean it up with a toothbrush you know and they're scraping it and they're and they're, they're trying to shine it up real nice right and they get it all nice and shiny okay and then they take it to the antique roadshow. So, which is they are applying their limited hermeneutical skill, which is not right. very. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're limited, they're limited resources they're going to apply. They're going to throw everything that the best they know at. Well, the, at I, I mean, I'll tell you how this analogy plays out, but, the, but they take it to the roadshow, right? And the expert looks at it and says, okay, well, you had something great. You know, you had something essentially priceless here. Um, but, uh, but you put a bunch of chemicals on it and you scraped it. And, uh, now it, you know, it's, it's only worth about 20% of what it would have been before because you screwed it all up. Right. <laughs> this is the Hebrew roots movement. And the reason I say that you, is because you they, unknowing, you didn't know there was this fine layer of gold, uh, <laughs> right. uh, lining on the, and you scraped all that off, which actually gave the, you know, the manufacturer number and the, the. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, so I, I, the, the reason I, I liken this to the Hebrew roots movement is because the Hebrew roots movement finds this gem of theology, right? That is true. And it's gorgeous and beautiful. It's priceless. Right. But what they've done is they've attached things like Hebrew word pictures, the Et Sefer Bible, you know, a, uh, a strong, Enoch, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The book, yeah. An expanded canon, a questioning well, uh, of the deity uh, of or, Christ. Uh, what's the Metatron? Met, uh, I mean, a Kabbalah in general, any kind of Jewish Kabbalah, like, right, they've, they've, they've just, they've just screwed it all up. And they've screwed it up with their little toothbrush and their, you know, and all their solvents. 
Okay, and so now what they have, solvent, messianic solvent. Now what they have is is you know they have Keep they out have of reach something. Of children. They still have something that's important, right? They still have a theological truth that's important, which is a view of the Torah, which is a view of of God's law, which is is go- gorgeous and beautiful and is priceless. But they have just put so many extra things on it and so many things that are such nonsense that they've just diminished this into something that is not nearly as good as, as it could or would have been. The Messianic, In a way, they've just replicated an error within larger Christian theological themes just in the other direction. They've, they've obscured the pure word of God. They've just burdened it with a bunch of traditions of man. They just swapped out old traditions for new traditions. But the word yeah, of God, exactly. the word of God remains obscured. So then you have yeah. the then you have the messianic movement. Okay, and this is where I grew up. And, and basically, the messianic movement is is we can go back to the roadshow idea, right? They come down. They they have they they find the bull. They come down. They know once again that they have something valuable, but. They're and they're not going to necessarily uh, put you know scrape it off or anything like that. They're just going to try to clean it up, maybe with a with a rag and some warm water. But they're not even going to take it to the roadshow. What they want to do is they want to hide it in a closet. They don't want anybody else to see it. It's just for them and their family. They're not going to let anybody else see it. Nobody else. You can is come look benefit. at us looking at it. <laughs> 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 that is exactly right. You're not we, allowed to. Once a week, we pull it out and put it on the kitchen table. And we all stand around and look at it. You can look at the windows. You can this look. one's never been touched. What this one? Right? No, don't touch it. I wasn't going to touch it. I'm. Just, I was just looking. No, you're not allowed okay, to look at it. We're done. We're done. We're, lo- done with we're done looking at this one. Right. I mean, it's it's that kind of a classic thing. spinal tap. Uh, <clears throat> right. So the 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 point here is that messianic Judaism. I mean, and there are exceptions to this rule, right? My father is one of those exceptions. He believes that the Torah is for everyone. But even then, I feel like there is... there. He's considered... And, Torah resource is considered a fringe... Right. ...idea, right? It's a, it's a Which is actually good, because that means you're the narrow... You're not the broad... Right. Not but, the but, broad way. But the, po- you know? but the point here is, is that we could also look at some of the other things. You know, the, the idea of keeping it in-house and not showing it to anyone else. There is this idea of later Jewish tradition that comes into Messianic Judaism that was not around in Christ's time, right? And there's kind of this fascination and, and this love for all things Jewish, no matter what the no matter what it is. And so we have kind of this, we have a we have an acceptance of things that are not biblical and may even come from places that they shouldn't, you know, that we shouldn't accept them from. And yet, because they're Jewish, uh, people accept them. And don't get me wrong, I, this is not to be in any way anti-Semitic. I, I fully believe what Paul says in Romans where he says, what benefit then is it to be a Jew? Much in every way because they hold the oracles and the, and the covenants of God. I'm paraphrasing, but the point here is simply that uh, I, I believe there are some trappings within the messianic movement that have not been fully realized yet, yet, yet. So, okay. So all of this to say, I don't think that I've necessarily figured it all out, but you've, what you're I'm close. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what I'm trying to, all I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to 
navigate what the Bible says and and also not trying to be enamored with stuff that we shouldn't be enamored with. And so I believe that Christianity has so much right. And I believe that they've missed a, a little bit of this puzzle piece. You know, they got a couple of puzzle pieces that are missing. And I believe that the Hebrew roots and the Messianic movement also have, they've found these, these extra puzzle pieces, right? But they haven't necessarily figured out how they go into the puzzle, right? And so I'm not trying to be a pot stirrer here. In fact, the more I become, you know, this, this uh, back to this uh, verse in, in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law. You know, there's this fervent love that people have for God's law, and they they have that not because they want to be legalistic. It's because they are covenant members who genuinely love God and want to want to serve Him to the best of their ability. And you know, I was thinking about this when I was watching David Wilbur debate uh, Sol, Sol, what's his name Solberg Sol anyway uh, the Sabbath debate. You know, as I was watching that. The David Wilbur's opponent, I thought, you know, what a travesty this is, that this gentleman loves the Lord and is is teaching uh, people about God God and his covenants and whatnot, but also believes that the that the Sabbath has been done away with. It's not that it's not that I think he needs to do that to be saved. I believe this man is saved, but I believe that he is missing out on part of his inheritance. As a heir according to promise, he is missing out on part of that birthright. And if he doesn't want that part of the birthright, that's up to him. You know, I I, I, I never used to understand my father's uh, unwant, his, his rejection of, of uh, debate. My father's never been one to go out and do debates. I never understood that. But now... I get it. And the reason why is because I don't, you know, if you're a believer and you think that, you know, you're going to celebrate whatever festivals, but not the festivals of the Bible, that's between you and God. If you want to go eat a ham sandwich, literally that, that is between you and God. It, it's not between me, you and God. And so I, uh, there's really no reason for me to come in guns blazing, trying to, tr- trying to get you to to uh, keep the Torah. For me, what I want to do is I want to teach my family. I want to teach my family about the covenants. I want to teach my family about following God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? That's what I want to do. I'm not out to try to convince anyone else necessarily. However, if people want to hear, if people want to hear, okay, great. And that's one of the reasons we do this show, right? We do this show because people want to follow the law of God and they want to do it not because they're trying to gain their salvation, but because they are saved, because they are covenant members. And it's like, hey man, how do we do this? Great, let's talk about it. That's what we're doing here. So that's my little soapbox about uh, the antique road, the theological roadshow. You got anything to say now? Uh, one thing that did come to mind is how generally humans, <laughs> we silly humans, <laughs> you know, we think humans throughout the Bible, I mean, we, but we don't even need the Bible to see this. I think that just in our world out there, people who they love to act like they know things, like we love to act with pride that we know things. And then there's times where we think we're being careful and we still don't see 
the damage we're causing, for example. And, the, and one example, I mentioned this to you the other day, Caleb, and I think we've talked about it on our show, is, is with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls is, a, is just a perfect picture of, of, of the situation yeah. where yeah. they've got these scrolls and you can learn in how they get all these fragments, but there's these big rooms. I think it's the, uh, was it the William Albright center in Jerusalem or something? They've got these big rooms, you know, big windows, tables with all these fragments. And these guys are, they're smoking cigarettes and they're using scotch tape. They're like, Oh, I think these two go together. Here, tape. put the scotch tape on the Isaiah scroll real yeah, quick okay. and hang it's, it up over there. Here, <laughs> I got this attack. one. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a blend of the world's best Hebrew scholars and, you know, they understand paleography. They know the, how to read ancient Hebrew script and all this stuff. These are the guys on the scene. And it's not just, um, well, it, there's more than one, you know, right? There's teams of scholars. It's, it's protected, of course. They have the wit. They know that this is precious stuff, and they have to protect it from. So they're not letting everybody rush in, and you know, there's only a limited group of people who have access initially. So there's some. You can see where they're. Yeah, you know, this probably is priceless. We should probably lock the door at night, right? You know, I mean, and then have some sort of measure of security. But at the same time, they don't understand. They shouldn't be smoking. A this was when smoking was the ads on the newspaper were like, yeah, you know, eight out of 10 doctors smoke uh, camels. <laughs> you know, like, like you walk into the lung specialist and he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> I watched Forrest Gump a couple of weeks ago and it was like, I don't know if anybody ever see that, but when Forrest is, he's just a little kid and he's getting the leg things and the, uh, he's at the doctor and the doctor's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth <laughs> and he's, totally overweight doctor. And it's just, of course, (laughs) it's a caricature of the time, but there are indeed ads you can see online from, from that era. And that's the era. There's the, the the late forties and early fifties, you know, when these scholars are doing this work in Jerusalem and they're smoking, they're using scotch tape. They don't realize the damage that the smoking is doing to their own body, let alone the damage of the fumes, you know, to the manuscripts, to the, to the fragments. And the scotch tape has chemicals in it that will deteriorate the, um, the leather fragments. So they're, they're at the best. This is in some ways, this is cutting edge discovery and they've got the best minds, you know, on this, on the other hand, (laughs) on the other hand, they, they're bringing their incompetent, their areas of blind, their blind spots, their areas of incompetency. They they can't check those at the door because they don't see them. Like looking back, they they go, wow, we would have never, you know, had we know what we know 25 years later, 30, 40, 50 years later, now it's 70 years pushing, um, that we would have done it very differently. We would have treated those fragments very differently. So you have a, the learning curve continues and, and that that's how it is for us. So there's a lot going on in the chat room uh, talking about debates. Don't get me wrong. I... I have actually changed my opinion on major issues, major issues because of debates. Uh, I I had read a book by uh, by J.I. Packer, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, and uh, that was what started to move me towards a, a an understanding of the doctrines of grace. And it wasn't until I watched James White debate Dr. Michael Brown uh, that I actually was pushed fully over that cliff. Now. 
since then I have uh, I have realized I'm not a huge fan of the way that Dr. White uh, debates, but that's neither here nor there. I also think that there has been debates, you know, I mean, back to uh, when, uh, what's his name, Pasha, yeah, uh, Staley, Jim Staley, he debated uh, Chris Roseborough on uh, the Sabbath. I think that that was a, I think that that was actually a moving point for some people uh, that were on the fence. And obviously, since then, uh, Staley stole a bunch of money from little old ladies and just totally ruined. Well, I his, think he already had at that point. Yeah, it's just um, he got caught. Yeah, he got caught. Yeah. Um, but the point, I, the point here is that, yeah, I agree with people in the chat room. Debates can be, can be beneficial, but I think, and, and Brandon asks what, you know, should, aren't we to be watchmen? Yeah, I, I agree. We are to be watchmen, but what does that mean? Does it, you know, when, when, <laughs> when the idea of a watchman is given, it's given over a person in a city, in a congregation, those kind of things. You know, those people didn't scour the earth looking for people to debate and with and to fight with. And as we have the invention of the Internet and the ability to put things out that, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're debating with people we don't know behind keyboards. We can't see the people. We have no personal relationship with them. This is not what it means to be a watchman. If somebody comes into your congregation, absolutely. I'm fully on board with you. Uh, And so I think that... uh, I think that we need to be careful on on what we're on who we're trying to convince and why we're trying to convince them. That's number one. Number two, I do think there there is a place for debate. However, I personally am not good at debate. And what I've realized becoming friends with people like uh, Chris Date, uh, getting to talk to Leighton Flowers, uh, you know, and and having conversations with him, um, these gentlemen are master debaters. And it doesn't matter what they're selling. Chris Date could be selling, you know, ice in in northern Alaska, and he's going to make a a fortune. And I'm not. And the reason why is because I can, everybody knows that I can talk. And a lot of people wish I'd just shut up. But the point is, is that I can talk, but that doesn't mean I can debate. And so I think that some people are are better suited for those kind of, uh, those kind of things. But uh, I don't know if I am. I don't know if I'm suited for debate. With that said, uh, I'm happy to help people. I don't know that I've ever, I've never had a, like a recorded debate. Yeah, I I mean. I don't, I don't know what, I don't think I've ever been asked to debate. I don't know what I would debate or how I'd go about it. In all fairness, I've never done uh, a formal debate either. However, here's the thing. I listen to debates between people and I get genuinely like physically stressed and perturbed. My wife hates that word perturbed. Uh, That's like skosh. My wife's like, don't don't say skosh. I'm like, just give me a skosh of salad. So, but I mean, I get, I get uh, like strong anxiety just because I'm like, what are you talking? No, no. You know, like I want to jump in and be like, wait, wait, that's not. And then by the time that person gets done with their 20 minute introduction, I got, you know, I got 250 things that I want to say, but you know, my, I can't keep up with all of it. So I I don't know. Uh, Okay. Anyway, I I do think that there is time for debates and I have been uh, blessed to watch debates 
uh, between believers. Um, and I've been swayed by debates. So I'm living proof that uh, debates can work. All right. Anything else? Um, did we cover? That's yeah, we I got think for we the covered day, the comments we had. It's been a good one. Uh, Antique Roadshow. Antique Roadshow, baby. The Theological Roadshow. Okay, here, here's, so keep keep working on your parable, but let, let me give you just a, a suggestion. It's just tell the story first. A guy and his wife were cleaning out his aunt's attic, and he <laughs> right. came across the, right? And you just tell the story and then give the interpretation second. Yeah. Yep, it's I great. Agree. I, I like I like your use of, uh, and you mentioned this the other day. Been, you've you've been using more and more analogies, and I think I I love analogies. I love parables. I'm a big guy to for a for a I, short story that then is is actually helping explain or or give some proper perspective on some problem. I, I'm a big fan of that. So to, to, to tell you the truth, I don't remember how we got there the other day when we were chatting, but there was another analogy that I, that we, we talked about, we were talking about, Oh, people call, yeah, people calling. I think it was somebody, uh, people calling you and asking you about a specific theological topic. And, and your, your, your frustration was shining through and you were saying, you know, I, at some point people just have to do some work themselves. You know, if you don't know how to respond to this specific issue, then there's a bigger, then there's a problem. And I think this goes back to our, our conversation two weeks ago. And I know that this is a horrible segue. Oh, but- right. Right. I remember now, like it has to do with like, if someone is saying, oh, you know, we need to expand the canon, right? If right, someone in your fellowship right. is saying the canon is bigger, what this, what this confronts you with then is your job, right? In that moment <clears throat> is not to try to debate or argue that person. Your per- your your job is to look in the mirror and go, do I know in my bones, in my heart of hearts, why I am confident in the canon of scriptures? And how does that confidence relate with my walk with God and, and my uh, theological understanding of, of my relationship with God, which has to do with covenant and, and God's purpose of creation and the place of man in, in creation and, and, you know, everything we've talked about Messiah's so, atoning work. If, if I'm not anchored in that knowledge because it's functional for my own growth as a human, then I'm not just getting an answer from somebody to help deflect, you know, it's like some, it's like you're in a wrestling match and I, and I just throw you like here, throw, splash this sand, you know, throw the sand in his eye, see if that helps, you know, like, <laughs> And especially a lot of these people, in, in my experience, they're they're convicted. Like they they're not. Oh, the Et Sefer people are are. Yeah, they're not. They're, they're not like they're oh, oh, I'm here to learn. It's like no, They've they have the marching dis- orders, yeah. and they yeah. are plowing through, and and they're they not interested to stop and learn. Fully deceived. They're like Mormons. They're not going to stop and listen to anybody. Here's the thing, though, is that I think the that, Mormon. that what, the Mormons, the thing is that I, th- I think that what you're talking about goes back to our conversation last week, which was the notion that, you know, there, there's a lot of believers who they want to be sideline Christians. They want to be sideline believers. You know, they want to, you know, I, I've asked this question to many, many people. How often do you read your Bible? 
And I'll get people who are like, they seem extremely fervent. You know, they, they want to debate. They want to, you know, all this kind of stuff all the time. They have all these theological questions. You ask them how, long, how much they read their Bible. They'll tell you, I don't have time to, re-, you know, I got a full-time job. I'm working eight to 10 hours a day. I got four kids. I got a wife. You know, I just don't have time to really uh, devote uh, to, to, to devotions. It's not to devote to God, but to devotion. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I, I read my Bible at church on Sundays or on the weekend at, at my congregation. And to me, there was my son, I think people know this by now. My son takes jujitsu and one of his coaches was, he's hilarious because he is just, if you think of the stereotypical cop, that's who he is, you know, bald and just gruff and thin and just, you know, always got this look on his face like he's going to he bark someone. Like, bah, 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 bah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And to the kids. It's hilarious, right? So all the kids are, are sitting around watching another coach do this move. And this guy, black belt cop, right, is is watching and he goes, all right, come on. Get to, you know, find somebody to do the drills with. No one ever won tournaments by watching jujitsu. <laughs> and I think that I, I just thought to myself, how many parents are on the sidelines right now being like, no, do it this way. Right. They've never they've never been on the mat before. I'm one of those people like I'm, I'm always like, turn, you know, I, you know, I have no clue what in the world I'm talking about. Right. I, I could never turn in that instance. But, but we think that we know something because we've watched other people do it, right? We could never do it ourselves because we've never actually tried, but we think we could. And I think that a lot of people in the church today are like that. They see other people doing scholarly work. They see other people studying. They see other people in their Bible every day. They see other people doing it. And so they think that they know something about it. But ultimately, this comes back down to personal relationship and being all in. You know, every single day we train, we train in the word, we train in prayer. We, you know, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, here's an example. Caleb, if, if it's like, you're my Bible guy, right. And, and I, someone in my community is like pushing this at Sefer Bible, but I'm like, you know, I really don't know much about why he's got some good points. You know, this guy's got some good arguments and they say the Sabbath starts at like the, the morning is just the daylight hours. And, and he showed me some verses can, you know, so then I'm coming to you with just this problem. And, and my suggestion is there's no way that you could convey any, because discipleship doesn't work that way. The, the learning God's word is not a Starbucks drive-through. You can't just say, yeah, you know, my, um, whatever it is and go pay your, three dollars or whatever and get your drink and drive away and be happy no because this is it's like the warren buffett right interest or you you keep at it little by little and it's got to be a long term all in and you have to be in the word you have to be in prayer you've got to want it and and you've got to have the endurance of, of perseverance through the trials of life that are trying to push you away from that course. That and and it's in that it's in uh, staying, uh, you know, abiding in God's word, being anchored, being that tree whose roots are da- transplanted by the streams of water. You know, it's it's enduring those those storms that you obtain. Just the, 
the the background knowledge the the as well as the temperament to respond kindly you know and to try to try to to lead in a, in an optimal way but it also is that same that same time of training and endurance equips you with discernment of spirits where it's like look i'm not going to waste my time with this person there's a reason why yeshua said don't give your pearls to swine right he's not talking about pigs it's like oh well there's another sunday school jesus why would jesus call somebody a pig or a dog so these are these are the issues especially and some of these seem like they're like a virus like they come back around again like i honestly hadn't it's been a while since i heard of the et sefer it's been a couple of years we went through that i think we did some shows on it and it's like oh it's like I, you know now of course it's happening there's other places that are obviously i have a limited radar limited exposure but then all of a sudden boom it's up and it's strong again and it's like i see it as like okay that's the flu coming around it's going to knock a couple people down it's the black plague <laughs> well, i yeah, just i just don't understand it it's worse than the flu yeah i agree anyway, all right i like it's that been, uh nobody ever say it again nobody ever nobody won ever a, won tournaments by watching jujitsu so how would you try how would you rephrase that into uh being disciple in a discipleship no one ever learned theology by watching other people do theology i mean we have to you have to be active in it you have to learn the moves you have to actually you have to actually be trained be, by the word of God, be, be trained by the word of God. Okay. It's been fun. Good. I like it's it. It's been real. Uh, if you want to be a part of this conversation, do so by giving us a call 253-465-3205, 253-465-3205. I'm sorry about the audio problems that we've had today. And, uh, yeah, uh, sorry. I'll, tr- I'll work on it this week and try to get it uh, better. You can also shoot us, and email chegatorresource.com, chegatorresource.com. Um, and yes, yeah, people brought up the audio Bible. I'm actually working on a project to get uh, uh, the Torah in a specific format for uh, audio listening. So I'm excited to drop that on July 11th when pronomian.com goes live. All right. Um, ba 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 we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.